Vayakel, More Than Repetition, by Rav Yair Khan. Parashat Vayakel describes the actual building of the Mishkan and its vessels, and much of the Sidra is therefore almost an exact repetition of Parashat Truma. What is the purpose of this repetition? After all, the Torah is sometimes so sparing that major halachot are derived from no more than an additional word or letter. In this case, in contrast, the Torah seems unnecessarily verbose. What would have been lacking had the Torah simply written, And Bnei Israel did all that Hashem commanded Moshe, so did they do. There are a number of possible approaches to answer this question. One approach is to determine the differences between the two accounts and try to decipher what the Torah is trying to tell us through these distinctions. For instance, one major difference identified by the Midrash was noted by Rashi. And Bitzalel, the son of Uri, did all that Hashem commanded Moshe. It does not say that Hashem commanded Moshe, but rather all that Hashem commanded Moshe. Even things his master, Moshe, did not tell him. His mind converged with what was told to Moshe at Sinai. Moshe commanded Bitzalel to first make the vessels and later the Mishkan. Bitzalel said to him, Standard behavior is to first make a house, and only afterward to place vessels inside. Moshe responded, That is what I heard from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He said to him, You were in the shadow of the Lord, for this is surely what HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded me. Indeed, Parashat Shema begins with the instructions of how to build the holy ark, table, and menorah, before describing how to construct the Mishkan itself, whereas Parashat Vayakel, which describes the actual construction that was done by Bitzalel and his artisans, begins with the Mishkan and follows with the various vessels. However, there are a number of problems with this Midrash. First of all, it seems to suggest that Moshe erred and was corrected by Bitzalel. This is certainly difficult, since our entire faith is based on the accurate transmission of the word of Hashem from Moshe Rabbeinu to Israel. The Torah describes how Moshe received the Torah directly from Hashem. Mouth to mouth do I speak with him, and with a clear vision, not hints, and the picture of Hashem he sees. This idea is so critical that it is repeated in the closing lines of the Torah, and no other prophet arose in Israel that knew Hashem face to face. Indeed, Parashat Shuma is introduced with the verse, and Hashem said to Moshe, Is it possible that Moshe Rabbeinu misinterpreted the words of Hashem and was corrected by B'Tzalel? How then can we be sure about the rest of the Torah? An additional difficulty with this Midrash is that the discrepancy regarding the order of construction not only distinguishes Moshe's account from that of B'Tzalel, but contradicts Moshe's own account. When commanding B'Tzalel directly, the Torah says, And they will do all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting and the ark of testimony and the kaporet which is on it, and all the vessels of the tent, and the table and its vessels and the pure menorah and its vessels, and the altar of the incense. Here, Moshe himself mentions the tent before the vessels, as opposed to Parashat Truma, where the vessels are mentioned first. It is clear that we are not dealing with a correct order as opposed to an erroneous one, but rather with different ways of listing the construction, which reflect two distinct but valid perspectives. The order of B'Tzalel is utilitarian. The sequence of the construction of the Mishkan is based on pragmatic considerations. Standard behavior is to first make a house, and only afterward to place the vessels inside. The order documented in Parashat Truma, on the other hand, is axiological. It begins with the primary vessel of the Mishkan, which reflects the entire purpose of the Mishkan. The Torah subsequently lists the remaining vessels in descending order of importance. Since the heart of Mishkan is the Ark, which contains the tablets, it is Moshe's starting point in Parashat Truma. However, 
When introducing the instruction manual describing how the construction is actually to be implemented, the construction of the structure of the Mishkan comes first. Bitzalel, who is charged with implementing the construction, conforms to the pragmatic order. This was already noted by the Ramban, who wrote at the beginning of Parashat Rumah, The main purpose of the Mishkan is to serve as the resting place of Hashem's divine presence, which is the Ark, as it says, And I will meet you there, and I will speak to you from above the Kaporet. Therefore, here, in Parashat Trumah, the Torah introduced the Ark and Kaporet first, because it is first regarding status. Adjacent to the Ark, the Torah mentioned the table and the menorah, which are vessels like the Ark, and they indicate the idea of the Mishkan that was built for this purpose. However, in Parashat Vayakel, Moshe introduced the Mishkan, the tent, and its covering first, and so did Bitzalel, for this should come first during implementation. Both of these orders are valid descriptions of the Mishkan. In fact, we find a similar distinction in the orders chosen by various halachic codifiers. Before the Rambam, there were halachic works whose order corresponded to the order of the Gemara, while other halachic works were based on the order of the Torah. The Rambam decided to take all of Shas and present a new organic order of halacha. His monumental work, the Yad HaZakah, begins with Hilchot Yisodei HaTorah, laws of basic Torah principles. In contrast, the Shulchan Aruch, following the lead of the tour, begins with laws of waking up in the morning. Similarly, the Shulchan Aruch lists the laws of festivals according to the order of the calendar, while the Rambam begins with Yom Kippur, continues with the biblical festivals, and then presents the rabbinic festivals. Clearly, the Shulchan Aruch is presenting a practical guide to halacha, parallel to the pragmatic approach of Bitzalel. The Rambam, on the other hand, is presenting the system of halacha as ideas and concepts, he therefore developed a system that parallels the axiological order found in Parashat Trumah. Following his pragmatic agenda, in Parashat Vayakel, Bitzalel constructs the Mizbacha Ketoret, the golden incense altar, within the context of the other vessels located in the Mishkan. In the axiological order, however, the Mizbacha Ketoret only appears at the end of Parashat Tetzaveh, after the Torah lists the other vessels, the structure of the Mishkan, the priestly garments, and the sacrifices needed to sanctify the priests and the altar. Why wasn't the Mizbach HaKetoret recorded at the beginning of Parashat Trumah, together with the other vessels situated in the Mishkan? What makes the location even more puzzling is that the Mizbach HaKetoret does not appear at the end of the Melechat Mishkan section, but rather after it. The Mishkan is introduced with the verse, And you shall make for me a Mishkan, and I will dwell in your midst, and concludes with the parallel verse, And I will dwell amidst the children of Israel, and I shall be for them a god. Why does the Mizbach HaKetoret only appear in chapter 30, following the concluding lines of the Melechat HaMishkan section? The commentators were troubled by this and offered various solutions. The Sforno writes, This altar was not mentioned together with the other vessels in Parashat Trumah, for its purpose was not that the glory of Hashem should dwell amongst us, as was the other vessels, as it says, And I will dwell in your midst with all that I show you, the form of the Mishkan and the form of its vessels. Its purpose was also not to cause Hashem's glory to descend upon the house, as was that of the sacrifices. Rather, the purpose of this altar was to honor the Lord, after He descends to accept with grace the worship of His nation with the morning and evening sacrifices, and to welcome His presence with a Ketoret offering, along the lines of, Give unto Hashem the glory of His name, take an offering, and enter His presence. The primary purpose of Melech Mishkan is that the glory of Hashem should dwell amongst Israel. It describes the closeness, as it were, between Hashem and His people. According to the Ramban, it eternalizes Sinai as an everlasting echo of the word of Hashem heard directly by Israel. 
The Holy Ark contains the Luchot given to Israel at Sinai, and from above these Luchot, Hashem continues to communicate with Moshe. The entire Mishkan and its service is designed to further this aim. According to the Sforno, the Mizbach HaKtoret is not involved in this effort. The Ktoret offering brought on the Mizbach HaKtoret is a result of the glory of Hashem's presence. It is not meant to enable Hashem's movement toward Yisrael, as it were, but rather Yisrael's movement toward Hashem. Yisrael offers the Ktoret to honor Hashem's presence, which has already descended upon Yisrael. Similarly, we can claim that the Mizbach HaKtoret is not only uninvolved in the effort to bring the glory of Hashem's presence closer to us, but actually symbolizes an opposite agenda. While the purpose of the Mishkan, as noted by the Sforno, is closeness between Hashem and Yisrael, the Mizbach HaKtoret establishes the separation that must exist between finite man and infinite God. On Yom Kippur, we are told that the high priest could only enter the inner sanctum by offering Toret, which filled the house with a cloud of smoke. This cloud is reminiscent of the cloud that hovered on top of Har Sinai and served as a smoke screen that allowed Hashem's presence to be felt by Israel. From this perspective, the Mizbach HaKtoret complements the Mishkan. It allows for the presence of Hashem's glory by establishing a buffer and separation. For this reason, Moshe, who was presenting a conceptual order, documented the command to build the Mizbach HaKtoret, whose purpose is to separate, only after concluding the Melech Mishkan section, whose goal is to connect. Mitzalel, on the other hand, true to his pragmatic agenda, constructed the Mizbach HaZahav together with the other vessels located in the Mishkan. Another approach can be suggested to explain the repetition of Ayakel. Perhaps the point is not the distinctions between the two accounts, but rather the similarities. What is the message of the almost verbatim repetition of Truma and Titzaveh? Mariv Rabbi Haravar Lechlistein Zatzal once took this approach. In order to illuminate the point, he used the parable of a young couple engaged to be married. Before their wedding, they dream of the future, when they can finally be together. They make all the preparations necessary for their new home, where all their aspirations and love will eventually be actualized. They buy an apartment and meticulously plan every detail so it should be the perfect context for the perfection of their love. Together, they order furniture fitting for their new home. Together, they choose sinks and cabinets for the kitchen. All the plans are completed as the wedding day approaches, and they imagine the home where they will live together, where their love will be consummated and all their hopes and dreams realized. After the wedding, the couple goes on a honeymoon. During the honeymoon, the husband is called away. In his absence, one thing comes to another, and the wife, in a lapse of human weakness, has an affair. The husband returns and finds out about his wife's infidelity. He severs relations with her, and the marriage is destroyed. The wife is beside herself. Filled with remorse, she pleads for forgiveness, but to no avail. A friend intervenes with the husband on her behalf, and eventually the husband relents, and the wife is allowed to return. They go to their home, and their orders begin to arrive. The furniture is put in place, and the sinks and cabinets are installed. Everything appears as originally planned. But is it really the same? Is this the home of their dreams? After all that transpired, is the furniture the same furniture that was ordered before this disastrous honeymoon? Can the sinks and cabinets be the same as those chosen with such pure heart and passionate love? According to Pshutoshil Mikra, the straightforward reading of scripture, the command to build the Mishkan and its vessels followed the covenant at Sinai and preceded the forty days Moshe spent on Har Sinai. The idea of building the Mishkan was to realize the dream of Hashem's glory dwelling amidst Israel. However, when Moshe went up to Har Sinai to receive the Torah, Israel sinned and made the golden calf. Hashem threatened to destroy the people, but Moshe intervened on their behalf. Eventually, 
Hashem agreed to forgive Israel, and Moshe climbed Har Sinai once again, returning on Yom Kippur with the second Luchot. After Yom Kippur, Israel began to build the Mishkan. They build the Holy Ark, the Table, and the Menorah. They meticulously follow the plans originally given to Moshe. But is it really the same Ark, the same Table, the same Menorah? Can it possibly be the same? Perhaps this is the message of the almost verbatim repetition of Vayakel and Pekudei. It is as if the Torah is saying, yes, it is the same holy ark, it is the same table and the same menorah. Despite the sin of the golden calf, Hashem forgave his people and was willing to fully realize the covenant. Through the power of tshuva, the original intent of the mishkan, the dream of you shall make for me a mishkan and I will dwell amongst you, can be realized.